Buenos dias, familia. Okay, let it be said, that's more Spanish than Hannibal's ever given you. Okay? Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Wheaton Bible Church. I want to welcome those of you here in the building, those of you online. So glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us and being here, I hope you find Wheaton Bible Church to be a place where you can find rest um, and that you can join a bunch of incredibly messy, imperfect people that are seeking God and his will together. And so uh, I am so glad that you are here. Well, we are in a four-week series uh, in the Old Testament book of Ruth called The Story of a Loving Life. And so uh, we have been going through this, and if you have not been with us, I don't know where you've been. You should have been here. Uh, But it has been a great time looking at this book of Ruth. The book of Ruth kind of parallels the book of Judges in the Old Testament. They kind of run together. It's the same time frame. And what you find is that the nation of Israel is kind of going through a lot of spiritual and moral change. Things are kind of getting a little bad with the country, and and they're kind of walking away from God. And in Judges 21-25, we end up reading these words. In those days, Israel had no king Everyone did as they saw fit. And so this was leading the nation of Israel into a total chaos, an incredible uh, time of, of the nation kind of falling away. And so I want to give you a little bit of background of where we've been. In Ruth 1, we meet Naomi and her husband Elimelech. And they go to Moab because there's a famine in the land. And so they go there with their two sons, and while there, their two sons end up marrying two Moabite women. And the reason this is a big deal is if you go to Genesis 19, the very first book of the Bible, you end up reading how the Moabites came into existence. They actually came into existence through an incredibly sexually immoral uh, relationship that was happening with Lot. So you can read it there, but uh, so these Moabites, they were kind of seen as enemies or looked down upon, and they were, they were not important to Israelites. And so, but these two sons marry these two women there. It ends up that Elimelech and his two sons die in Moab. And so Naomi decides that she hears that God has redeemed uh, his people and blessed them and that the famine is kind of uh, is, is ending. And so she goes back there to gain nourishment and she tells her two daughter-in-laws, you don't have to go with me. And so one of them goes back to Moab and the other one named Ruth ends up staying with her. And Ruth ends up saying these words to her, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And so uh, in this, Ruth is now the foreigner. She's now the one that is going to a new land, and, and she is there. And when they return, there's some of Naomi's friends and the people, they, they meet Naomi, and Naomi ends up being this very bitter woman. She's feeling empty. And she tells them, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. 
Folks, empty and emptiness is a major theme throughout this, these four chapters of this book of Ruth. And we're going to see that emptiness actually takes place uh, here in Ruth 3. So that's the first chapter. Ruth 2, we get a clearer picture of some of the problems that are going on. And the problems for Naomi and Ruth are this, food and family. They're now widows, and they need, uh, they need to find uh, some, some food. They don't have other family, and so they, they come back. And what happens in Ruth 2 is that the first problem of food is basically dealt with. Ruth goes out to the fields and just so happened to go to a field of a guy named Boaz. And Boaz shows up, just so happens to show up, and he ends up meeting her. They interact, and Boaz sends her home with this full bounty of food that he has provided for them. And so when Ruth goes back to Naomi, Naomi's like, where did this come from? And she says, Boaz. And it's as if this empty woman in in chapter 1, now in chapter 2, we see this hope. Because she remembers that Boaz is part of her family clan. And so now there is some hope of what's happening. And so as this happens, Naomi ends up telling Ruth, stay close to the women that are working in the fields, in the field of Boaz. Because Boaz is a man of character and there's safety. And you can stay there. If she were to go to another field, there there is a possibility of things happening to her. And that leads us to Ruth 3, where we find this incredibly strange incredibly bold love story take a turn. Now, as you leave here, I want you to to kind of remember something, this truth, as we kind of look at Ruth 3, and it's simply this. It's that when your circumstances lead to emptiness, it's the redeeming love of God that will fill you. When your circumstances lead to emptiness. See, I don't know where you're at, But I would imagine there's some of you that have entered here and you're feeling empty and you're wondering where in the world and you're seeking a lot of different places to try to fill that emptiness. And what we're going to see is that that would be filled by God. So we're going to look at it because we need to understand that there is a redeeming love at work. So we're going to look at it in three ways. We need to see that redeeming love plans, and we're going to see that with Naomi. Redeeming love risks, and we're going to see that with Ruth. And then redeeming love fills, and we'll see that with Boaz. So let's seek redeeming love together, okay? We're going to look at redeeming love plans first. Make sure your Bible's open or turned on, and let's go to verse 1 of Ruth chapter 3. This is what it says. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So here's where I want to pause and just remind you that the book of Ruth is written in Hebrew. And in the Hebrew language, this phrase, my daughter, is actually one word. But what we find whenever this, this phrase is used in the Hebrew is that it is expressing a deep love between two people. It's a highly affectionate term. So Naomi starts this, this scene with saying, basically, I love you deeply, Ruth. You are incredibly special to me. And so she ends up wanting to find a home for her. Now, the Hebrew word for home is Manoah, and Manoah 
actually refers to a place of security and rest. And so what Naomi is saying, Ruth, I want to find you a place where you can have security and have rest because eventually Naomi's going to pass away and Ruth will be a foreigner in a foreign land as a widow, which means that life will be extremely difficult. So she's saying, I I don't want to find you just a building to live in. I want to find you security and rest. Now here's what I want to remind you of. I want to remind you that in chapter 1, we see this emptiness come in. And these are two women who have come back and there is emptiness that's going on. They've lost their loved ones. They're trying to figure out what to do next. And emptiness does a lot of things to our soul. I mean, emptiness is this thing that brings in mourning and it brings in frustration and stress and there's a sense of hopelessness and uncertainty about the future and your mind starts to race to incredibly hard things when emptiness is coming in. And I would imagine Naomi and Ruth have all of that taking place. In fact, we can even depict that emptiness physically. Sometimes by the way we dress or by our facial expressions and we can declare that there's a lot of emptiness going on inside of us. And what we end up seeing is that we see Naomi start this plan because redeeming love plans. And she ends up in verse 3 saying this, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. So she ends up telling Ruth what to do here. See, sometimes this emptiness comes in and it becomes our identity and it takes over everything and we need this time of change in our life so that emptiness doesn't take root. The reason I tell you that is because during this time, a widow would actually dress in mourning. So uh, when she would walk around the town and as she made her way to different places, people would know that this was a widow in mourning by the way that she would look. And so Naomi is telling her to go wash. This isn't like she's a teenager that smells really bad and you need to go tell them to take a shower. That's not what's happening here. She says to wash and put on the perfume because something needs to change. We see what happens when emptiness comes in if we were to go to 2 Samuel 12. If you go to 2 Samuel 12 in the Old Testament, you find that King David ends up mourning the death of his son, of his child. And so he ends up, he, he goes into this incredible distress. And at this certain point in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David has this time of mourning and he gets up and he washes himself. He puts on lotions. He changes his clothes and he goes and he worships God. And then the last thing he does is he goes and he eats. See, once he did that, what was happening is he was making a statement that his time of mourning had ended. Now people knew how to kind of uh, relate to him. Naomi's doing the same thing. She's creating a plan saying, go do this, because Ruth, your time of mourning can end. This is a woman 
who had just who had come back and told everybody we came back empty and she's now telling her daughter-in-law your time of mourning can end she's creating this 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 plan and and what we see is that this is a transforming action because redeeming love plans so Naomi goes on, and look at what it, she says in uh, verses 4 and 5. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And then Ruth says, I will do whatever you say. This is an unbelievable uh, thing that's taking place here. Now, what we have to remember is that Ruth has interacted with Boaz. We saw that in chapter 2 last week, and so they've been around one another. But up until this point, Ruth has never presented herself as eligible to Boaz. Boaz has seen her and known she is somebody in mourning, she is somebody in need, she is struggling. And she's never presented herself any other way. And yet Naomi is creating a plan where she is about to announce it. So Boaz has worked all day in the fields. And he ends up that he needs to eat and drink. And Naomi feels like this is a really important thing to tell Ruth. And we have to ask the question, why? Well, the first reason is because what we have to understand is that whenever Boaz uh, goes and does this, it doesn't mean that Boaz is going and getting drunk. It just means simply this. He is a man and men love food. It's, it's actually, when we think about it, after working really hard in the field, he goes, eats, and drinks to lie down. It's because Naomi goes, when a man's stomach is full, He's in a, a really good mood. And so she is scheming this plan in such a redeeming love way, and she's saying, you're going to go at the best possible time to actually announce that you are open and eligible for a relationship. Now, here's the other piece of it. She ends up saying, note the place he goes to sleep. This is really key. Because you got to remember the time that we're talking about. There's no electricity. There's no lights. It's not like it's bright out. She is running around in the dark. She is like trying to sneak around and, and she's looking all over the, the place. And for this plan to work and to be right, she's got to go to the right guy. This is vitally important because at this day and age, what would happen is the men would work and they would stay out in the fields and at night, the prostitutes would go out to the men to make money and to tempt the men into sexual immorality. And now Ruth is sneaking around like the prostitutes were. <clears throat> but the difference is, is that Naomi is creating a plan that's all about redeeming love. And so she, she says, go and make sure that you watch him. And she's spying on him because you have got to go and go to the right guy so that you're not taken advantage of by somebody else. Folks, this is a crazy plan because redemption is crazy. 
Redemption is actually a crazy and countercultural to everything that happens on our, in our world. And Naomi's putting this into play. What's fascinating is she says, uncover his feet. And what we end up finding is that there's several, several reasons to this. But apparently, uncovering his feet is like a nonverbal customary means of requesting marriage. So she has not presented herself in any way prior to this, and now she is taking this step. And this is a very incredible statement to make, and yet, because of the time of day, it's a very seductive thing to do. See, what we need to do when we're reading Ruth 3, we have to understand that the whole setting of this is from sundown to sunup. It's all done, done under a cloak of darkness. That's what's taking place here. And so this plan is being made. So after hearing all of this, Ruth ends up saying, I will do whatever you say. Let's realize this plan could go terribly wrong. Boaz could wake up, could mock her request. She's a Moabite in a foreign land, and she's going to an Israelite. Another man could find her, take advantage of her. This was a dangerous thing. The other aspect of this is legally, she hadn't secured a marriage contract. So by all rights, she was still married to her dead husband. And so Boaz could actually uh, see her and then charge her with being an adulteress. This is a crazy plan. But the foundation of it is a redeeming love. And what Ruth is doing when she makes the statement is she's showing a radical commitment and trust in her mother-in-law that's even deeper than what we read in chapter 1. Now, before we, we can say that this is really a crazy plan, but what you need to understand is that uh, Naomi is moving with this redeeming love and she is being extremely wise. The reason we need to understand that is because Naomi and Ruth's lives, if she wasn't wise in this plan, would stay the same. If she wasn't uh, creating this plan and, and going, her sole motivation with being that it's all for Ruth to secure this, it would mean that their story was frozen. Their future was frozen. And rest and security wouldn't come. And so what we need to see is that Naomi is living out this wise love because she serves a God who doesn't keep their stories frozen. She serves a God that actually wants to transform what is happening and to bring about that rest and security. And what we see is that this is a plan that is moving from emptiness to resurrection. It's, it's, it's to change everything. And redeeming love is wise and creates plans based off of God's opportunity. It means that we are to make plans because God is going to put opportunities in front, in front of us and we are to grasp them and take them and, and go with them even when sometimes they are totally crazy. That's what followers of Christ do. So redeeming love plans. 
Now, before moving on, I think there's, it's important for you to understand another Hebrew word. You didn't know you were going to get a, a Hebrew lecture here, but you are. And so there's another Hebrew word that you need to know as we move on in, in this chapter. And it actually is something that has taken place in Ruth 1 and gone all the way through this book. It's this word called hesed. And hesed ends up uh, being this, this uh, unique Hebrew word that is a combination of all sorts of things that's talking about an incredibly deep love. And what happens is hesed actually works off of commitment first and feelings follow commitment. Now think about it for a second. In our world, the way love happens is that it starts with feelings and commitments sometimes come later. But hesed is all about commitment first and feelings later. And hesed is this combination of love and loyalty and faithfulness and grace and mercy and compassion all into one word. And we don't have the ability in our English language to put this because it's so big and the Hebrew people knew how big of a love God had for them. And so we find this, this word hesed. And it's important to see what is going to be taking place because hesed and redeeming love go hand in hand. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home where I often heard, uh, in high school, I heard this phrase, Phil, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Did you ever have that? Yeah. In high school, I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Now I'm a parent. My perspective is changing. But it could be that nothing good ever happens after midnight or nothing good ever happens uh, after dark. And what we find is that Naomi is setting a plan and she is sending her daughter-in-law out into the dark. And what we find is that redeeming love risks. And we see this through Ruth. So let's look at verse 7. Ruth chapter 3 verse 7 says this, When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. So what we see that's happening here is that last week, uh, Pastor Hannibal talked about this phrase, just so happened. Maybe you remember him going through that, but it just so happened that Ruth ended up in that field. It just so happened that Boaz showed up. It just so happened. All these things took place. And now what we see is another just so happened. It just so happened that Boaz goes to the far end of the grain pile. It's an important piece here because it's laying out the groundwork that God has put Boaz in a place where the author's being very descriptive to say that this is a place that was further away from people so that Ruth could go and put the plan in place. And so up until this point, we see that Ruth has been following everything that her mother-in-law said. She is following the plan perfectly. And then in verse 8, what we end up seeing is that Boaz is actually startled. So the last several weeks, uh, the temperature has been changing for us, right? So I fell asleep, uh, was sleeping through the night, and I, uh, I woke up, and as my eyes were just slowly opening, all of a sudden, I had two eyes staring right back at me. 
I have this uh, crazy dog named Kona. Now, Kona is a medium-sized boxer. That's key. The reason that's key is because my wife says she's a large dog, and she doesn't like large dogs. She's a medium-sized dog. <laughs> so she's this medium-sized dog, and she's, she ends up, that night, I wake up, and as my head is laying there, these eyes are looking back at me. And I jumped. I was startled. It freaked me out. And as soon as Kona saw that I was awake, she slowly tried to creep up into the bed and under the covers because she knew, go to dad's side and not mom's side. (laughs) Now imagine for a second, you're laying on a grain pile and you wake up and there's two eyes in the complete dark staring back at you. How would you react? Boaz is startled, and he says, who are you? What is going on? Who are you? And see, in this, the reason we have to say redeeming love is it takes risk is because Ruth doesn't know how he's going to wake up. Is he going to wake up upset? Is he going to wake up kind? How is this going to be? And he wakes up and says, who are you? And in Ruth 3 Verse 9, she says this, I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer for our family. So she responds. Now what's fascinating here is that she uses this word servant. Now this is a a word that was actually used in chapter 2, Verse 13 says, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? She said, You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. It's the uh, same word. But in, the, in chapter 2, the word servant is actually defined by slave, the lowest person on the, on the ladder. She is the lowest of the low. She has no status in society, and that's how she's describing herself in chapter two. In chapter three, the word servant here is totally different. It's actually then defined as this person that it's an intimate word that denotes a relationship. It's no longer slave. And notice this, she was not told to say this. Naomi doesn't tell her, only says, listen to what he says. She ends up breaking from the plan and she starts saying this, I am your servant. And what that means, because it denotes a relationship, it means that she is saying, I am your servant and open for a relationship. I'm open for a relationship right now. And she ends up saying, spread the corner of your garment over, uh, over me. Now, this is a bold statement to be saying to Boaz because what she is saying in our English language, it would say this, Boaz, I'm open for a relationship and I want you to pursue me in marriage. That's what she's telling this guy. Now, this is incredible, incredible risk because women in that culture don't do this. This is not Sadie Hawkins Hebrew style. That's not what's happening here. This is an incredibly bold statement that she's making and she's saying, like, this is what needs to happen. And then what we find is that whenever she uses the word garment here, 
If you go to chapter 2, verse 12, it's the same word that's translated wings. So in, in verse 12 of chapter 2, it says, May the Lord, this is Boaz speaking, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So wings and garment are the same. So when we look at this, Ruth is saying, Boaz, in chapter 2 of our love story, when you prayed the prayer that the Lord would end up putting me under his refuge, well, guess what? You're the answer to your own prayer. God has put you in this place, and you're to marry me. What? I mean, this is a strong, incredibly amazing woman of character, and she's putting it all out there. Because redeeming love is, takes risks. Redemption's countercultural. And what we find is Hesed love is risky because Hesed love loves when you don't even know if you will gain anything in return. She doesn't know how he's going to respond. Friends, when your circumstances lead to emptiness, it's the redeeming Hesed love of God that will fill you. It's not the love that you're seeking in a bunch of other things and other people. And so what we find is Hesed is being put into play as Ruth says she is making a commitment to Boaz. She's, she's saying, Boaz, I'm committing to you without any knowledge of if he would give any of that in return. And she's saying, I believe that you are the one God has provided for me. And here's what the beautiful thing is. The Hesed of Boaz is actually Boaz being used as an instrument of God. And it's God saying, Ruth, my Hesed love covers you and gives you security and rest. I mean, this is mind-blowing and it's risky and it's crazy of what is happening. But redeeming love risks. So we know that redeeming love plans, redeeming love risks, and now we need to see that redeeming love fills. So Boaz responds in our chapter and is probably responding from a place of total surprise. I mean, he's waking up and here is Ruth. And Boaz is this older guy. Ruth is this younger woman. He's seen the, the character of Ruth and he is being captivated by her. It, it would probably mean that he has watched her. She's incredibly beautiful. She's incredibly noble. All of this. And he is going, what is taking place? And Ruth has come to have the DTR. She's defining the relationship. You are to be my husband. And Boaz ends up responding in verses 10 and 11. He says this, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And in verse 11 says this, And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Man, 
incredibly beautiful verses. Now notice how he starts. He starts with this phrase, my daughter. We've heard that before. We heard that at the beginning. And so Boaz starts using the same term that Naomi used for Ruth. And what we find is that now Boaz, he respects her. He sees her in a certain way. And he's saying, I respect you. I love you. And I have a, this, a sense of obligation. I want to bring you into my home. I want to give you security and rest. And so he is giving this, my daughter, this incredibly intimate and loving phrase back to her. Man, if there was any uncertainty in Ruth's mind, as soon as she hears that, she's comforted. And so he ends up blessing her. And he could have dismissed her. He could have said, instead of doing this, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. He brings peace. And he goes on and he, he ends up using this word kindness. And he ends up saying, uh, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. Now, here's where it gets good. The word kindness is actually a really poor translation for the English. Because in the Hebrew, the word that is there is hesed. He's saying, Ruth, the hesed love that you brought here is better than the first. And so when we think of all the love and the grace and the mercy and the compassion and, and, and all of the passion that goes with that word, uh, he ends up saying this love is even greater than the first. And so what was the first? It's the first that we see in chapter one where Ruth says, I will go with you. Chapter 2, when she's bringing food back, she's going out each day, and Naomi's not going out into the fields. Ruth is. She is bringing Hesed love to Naomi. And so he's saying, this love that you brought is actually greater than the love for Naomi. He's like, I, I can't believe this. And he's saying this because he's going, look, you, you could have chosen younger men. You could have chosen richer men, and you're choosing me? And so he ends up, he, he's blown away and he has seen the character and the nobility of not an Israelite, of a Moabite. See, during the time when everyone was doing their own thing, what we find Ruth actually looks more Israelite than the current Israelites. And Boaz sees it. Now, what's fascinating is that um, he tells her then, do not be afraid. Maybe you understand this, we're going to be going into the Christmas season soon, but whenever God came to his people in the Old Testament or whenever he sent his own messengers, one of the phrases they would use is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid is a term of compassion and peace saying, relax. This is, this is, for you. And so he's saying, do not be afraid. This is, uh, this is where I want to bring comfort and I want to show commitment. And so Boaz is offering, he's filling the emptiness that has been in Ruth with great compassion and hesed love. He sees her as a woman of equal status and character as himself. Now here's what's fascinating. In the Hebrew text, Scholars don't know how um, the Hebrew Bible was put together in the book order. But what you find there is that the book of Proverbs takes place, and right after it is the book of Ruth. And you're like, okay, big deal. 
Well, you have to understand how Proverbs ends. See, in in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 31.10, we end up seeing this verse. A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. It is the same exact language to describe Ruth in Ruth 3.11. So Proverbs is ending with this, and this section in, in Proverbs 31 is a wife of noble character. It's describing this, and then what we see is in, this, in Ruth 3, we end up seeing the same phrase being used. Then Proverbs 31, 31, the very last verse of Proverbs says, Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Here's the the crazy thing. It's the same language used in describing the people of the town that were saying to Boaz, she is a woman of noble character. She is one that is praising her works. All the people knew how amazing and how incredibly honoring Ruth was. And so in Proverbs 31, we end up seeing and laying that out. And if it had just ended there, we'd be like, okay, that's a lot. And then what we see in Ruth, the book of Ruth, is that Ruth shows us how that all is lived out. I mean, it is massively incredible what is taking place here and how Ruth is being seen. But then we find something out. Boaz says all this, and he ends up saying, there's another man closer in order in the redeemer status. What he means is that legally, there's another one that is actually in line to take Ruth as a wife, to take her in and care for her. And so Boaz, who is a a man of character, ends up saying, we're going to go through the right process. And what's fascinating is he's willing to risk losing Ruth to do the right thing. And so this takes place, and, and this is happening, but Boaz ends up saying, but if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. See, redeeming love fills. Fills the emptiness, and he's saying, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. Boaz knows that the Hesed love of God is the answer to filling the emptiness for Ruth. He's understanding that God has filled him, and so he wants to live this out, and he is being an instrument of God to fill the emptiness there. Family, when when it seems that God is the furthest from us, he might be setting the stage for displaying his greatest faithfulness to us. And that's something that I have to repeat to myself over and over again. That in my emptiness, God wants to display his greatest faithfulness. So we see all this in Ruth, and you're like, okay, this is an Old Testament book. What does this have to do with us? And what we end up realizing is the book of Ruth is actually pointing us to the Hesed redeeming love of God. See, redeeming love plans. And the moment sin entered this world, God started his plan. Redeeming love risks. At the the moment that this plan started, God knew that he would eventually send his son that was perfect and holy, Jesus Christ, to this world. And he would risk 
his life to cover over your sin and my sin and, and to, to create that this divide between God and us would no longer be there. And so he risks his son and what he ends up saying is, my son is the redeeming love that will fill your life so that my wrath that has to deal with sin will no longer be upon you because I fill you with my son. The book of Ruth is pointing us to the gospel. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your world right now. But my prayer for you and for me is that when your circumstances lead to emptiness, it's the redeeming, the hesed love of God that will fill you. And that we wouldn't seek other things. And that's my prayer for us today. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather here, that we get to worship you. And so I, I pray, Lord, that wherever we're at, all of us have a, uh, are in different seasons, and I pray that we would know and trust that what you were doing in the book of Ruth, you are still doing today that the circumstances and the things of life are not the things that are going to be filling us, but that you are. So I pray for those that have a relationship with you, that they would uh, continue to, to seek and to, to understand how deep your love is. And if there's friends here that don't have a relationship with you, Lord, I pray that, that they would seek this out and see what you are wanting to do in their life, that they would surrender to you. I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your compassion. And today, may we rest in that as our security. It's in your name I pray.